Hello and welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a podcast from the University of Arkansas. My name is Delaney Bartlett. On this episode, we'll be talking to David Tolliver, a doctoral student in public policy in the College of Education and Health Professions, about his recently published book, Student Activism as a Vehicle for Change on College Campuses. Welcome, David. Thank you. Great. Your book is really timely right now, so I'm really glad that you're coming to talk to us about it right now. Um, And up until recently, most people, I think, when they thought about student activism, they would think about the campus protests of the 60s and 70s, where you had students protesting the Vietnam War or advocating for civil rights for women, people of colors, gays and lesbians. Um, But at that time, in the 60s and 70s, most college students didn't even have the most basic rights of free speech and association. Can you talk a little bit about why that was and what it meant for college activists then? Yes, um, there's a term in loco parentis that um, that universities uh, used as a policy, uh, and really that means in uh, in Italian the right of the parent, and uh, it is really a, a institutional policy uh, historically that universities used to be able to. Um, not so much just control, but to also uh, be able to be accountable for uh, students' actions and behavior. And really, this was uh, a British legal scholar by the name of William Blackstone, uh, who was a legal scholar, actually wrote about this um, in the late 1700s, and it was uh, widely adopted by universities. And so during this time, universities really control the actions of students. Um, and for for all students, this became an issue uh, when students realized that many of their rights uh, were uh, were taken away uh, by in loco parentis. So really in the uh, in the 1960s, uh, after many court cases that students uh, had against uh, their uni- their respective universities. Um, in the 1960s, one case did win, um, and this uh, this case really led to the demise of in loco parentis, and it really opened the door for all students um, through activism um, to really gain these rights as students uh, on college campuses. And what's really ironic about this is that in loco parentis really came about from a different protest. There were actually uh, African American students who were sitting uh, who were sitting in and using that as a strategy. And uh, in response to that, in local parentis also uh, became uh, a right that all students gained by another protest uh, in the 1960s, which was uh, a sit-in by students. Wow. So, in what ways have you seen that student activism has changed? Well, I'll say uh, one of the, uh, since the 1960s and 70s, I will say that many of the strategies and and methods that activists use, such as sit-ins, marches, uh, food strikes, and boycotts, and gaining media coverage has stayed the same, and uh, but has been used uh, by a new generation of activists who have also used, uh, learned to use technology. Uh, as a you know as a means to to organize uh, or to uh, be able to give their opinions online and have really a space uh, to be able to 
um, communicate uh, their concerns, issues, or frustrations. So I would say that the advancement of technology is is uh, definitely a huge change. It, it also allows students to respond or to organize quickly, uh, to be able to use social networks uh, in order to, to organize and to communicate to uh, supporters. Uh, and also it, it gives many people an opportunity, um, not just activists, but to uh, people that may not have participated in activism, it gives them another avenue to really um, engage themselves in in a conversation with with a particular issue and uh, and it's a so technology's ability to really uh, advance um, opportunities for activism and organization uh, is really a huge uh, difference that has been made since then absolutely um, so what are some of the different reasons? through your studies that you found that students engage in activism? Well, some, uh, some of the reasons, and, and you know, obviously there, there are more than three, but you know, some that we speak about is, uh, one is uh, student development. Um, uh, and students, it's really important for universities to really engage with student activists to provide a space uh, for, for students to be able to voice their opinions to, um, explain the the concerns they may have with with issues and also uh, some activists join because of a social network uh, because maybe they're friends uh, and understanding uh, and, and showing solidarity to to maybe their friends or a social network they have but uh, also because uh, you know students really uh, have certain issues that they also uh, prior to actually attending college may have experience and once they get to college it it is not only a place to be able to develop but it's also a place to um, to really gather with others that may feel like you or who have similar issues that you may have um, and really with uh, similar issues then these are people that are uh, have similar, maybe similar, similar values, and they can be able to congregate together and understand that it's not, you know, just the differences that that some may have, but also the similarities uh, of of the issues and how it might be impacting them, their families, or impacting their their communities, uh, also at home. Okay. Um, so in your book, you describe some recent examples of student activism that have gotten some pretty big pe press coverage. I'm going to pick out just one um, with the issue of racism at the University of Missouri-Columbia, and that actually prompted several different forms of activism, is that correct? Yes. And eventually, um, the resignation of the university's president. Uh, would you like to talk a little bit about that and what lessons we can maybe learn from that? Yes, on, on the campus of University of Missouri, uh, the issue of racism um, was really by a student group who realized um, that really issues weren't uh, being resolved and weren't being paid attention to. So usually students try to use the traditional channels of student engagement or student governance to um, 
to alleviate these types of issues, but once uh, the university or the leaders of a governance structure um, ignore you or either do not reply in, in the time that it needs to be, especially when you're undergoing uh, prejudice and discrimination, then uh, activism occurs. And this is what students felt like they needed to do in order to uh, gain attention, but also to, uh, as a policy tool, uh, to get their issue on the agenda, which really meaning uh, that university administration needed to take this seriously. So any other thoughts or advice for administrators and faculty from your studies? Yeah, sure. Um, one for administrators is to understand, uh, is to pay attention to these cases, such as the University of Missouri, University of Berkeley, uh, with um, uh, City University of New York, and so many others uh, across the country, to really pay attention to students' needs and to students' issues. That it's not just uh, an issue that students are raising just for the fun of it, but it's actually something that university administrators really need to take seriously. And as far as faculty, I would like uh, faculty and, and others to and staff to understand that you can be, uh, be an activist as well and create a safe space on campus or in your classrooms for students to be able to voice their opinions and really uh, creating a, a, uh, a comfortable space for students to feel like that someone is actually hearing them and, and actually taking their concerns seriously. That's really good advice. Thank you so much, David. Hey, thank you. Music for Short Talks from the Hill was written and performed by Ben Harris, guitar instructor at the University of Arkansas. For more information and additional podcasts, go to KUAF.com or researchfrontiers.uark.edu, the home of research news at the University of Arkansas.